Hey guys, how we doing? I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do so. Just open up your Apple Podcasts app, click that subscribe button, go over to YouTube, search Liz Wheeler Show, and you'll find my channel. Subscribe to my channel, hit that bell, and you'll be notified every time we drop a new episode. I greatly appreciate it. And yes, I'm going to keep asking until everybody's done that. Um, We have an interesting, great show today. Um, What we're going to talk about today is Project Veritas released documents from an FBI whistleblower. Somebody who works at the FBI um, released documents to the journalists at Project Veritas that were supposed to be for internal use only in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And these documents are Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide. It's a guide to militia violent extremism. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And we are going to also talk about how the FBI and the Biden administration, which right now are one because the FBI is part of the Department of Justice, which is part of the executive branch of the Biden administration, how they are trying to label us conservatives as domestic terrorists and why exactly they are doing this. Then we are going to talk about what happened in Kansas this week. So there were a lot of primary elections across the nation. And in Kansas, there was a ballot referendum on abortion. Now, Kansas is a red state. This was expected, in a sense, to pass. It was expected, the pro-life amendment, I should say, was expected to pass, which would have restricted abortion. It did not pass. The pro-aborts won in this referendum. And the mainstream media claims that because the pro-life amendment lost, this shows that the majority of people, even conservatives, are actually supportive of abortion. This is not true. And we're going to talk about why Yes, it's a loss that we lost the pro-life amendment in Kansas by what but why it's not indicative that, you know, people are on the side of planned parenthood and abortion. That's not at all what we can what the takeaway from what happened is. Um it's a big show. I'm excited about it, so let's dig in. Thank goodness for American Hartford Gold. If you're like me, then you are growing more and more concerned about our future. Inflation is at its highest level in my lifetime, in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing. If you want to protect your future, then I recommend that you do what I did. I called the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and your retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and therefore thousands of satisfied clients. If you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-781-7499. The phone number is 866-781-7499. 7499. Or if you prefer text messaging, you can text my name, Liz, to 65532. Again, the phone number is 866-781-7499. Or text Liz, L-I-Z, to 65532. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so Project Veritas strikes again. They are the premier investigative journalism outfit in the country. It's actually been remarkable to watch the trajectory of James O'Keefe's outfit from when he started. It was kind of a one-man thing. He was he was he was trying to be a muckraker. He was an undercover journalist. It was it was him. He was the business. He was he was reporting on stories that the mainstream media refused to report on, and now it's grown into this operation which is doing the work that no one else is doing on a large scale against corruption that 
rivals almost no other corruption that we've ever seen in our nation. If it weren't for Project Veritas, I there are so many abuses of power in our nation that we would simply as citizens be unaware of, unaware of at least the the organization of that corruption behind the scenes. So Project Veritas um, got a hold of FBI documents from a whistleblower at the FBI. By the way, let me just interrupt myself for a second and say, this is what I like to see from career men and women at the FBI. These agencies, these executive agencies, particularly the ones that deal with law enforcement, meaning they have the power to abuse their authority and violate our rights, um, this is what we need to see from them. We need to see the honest men and women who are unhappy with the state of their agency, unhappy with the politics that has pervaded the agencies. We need to see them exposing this abuse because they're the ones who can make the biggest difference right now. They're the ones that can say, hey, look what's happening behind the scenes. They actually, the FBI actually is targeting you because you're conservative and I have proof of it. So this takes incredible bravery, incredible courage and I would like to extend our thanks to this FBI whistleblower. Um, You're exactly what our country needs right now. You are acting as a patriot. So this whistleblower gave Project Veritas a document called the Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide on Militia Violent Extremists. You can see this on the screen. And I wanna I wanna read through what this what this handout at the FBI is and what it says and talk about a little bit what it means. So at the very top of the page, you can see it says unclassified, law enforcement sensitive, FBI internal use only. I don't know about you, but I kind of like to see things that we're not supposed to see. I always get a little thrill when I when I get a hold of classified information or otherwise embargoed reporting. And, you know, the same holds true for this. I'm very happy to see this. Federal Bureau of Investigation, it reads Domestic Terrorism Symbols Guide, Militia Violent Extremism. So the summary of this says the following symbols are used by anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists, specifically militia violent extremists, which they use the acronym MVE for militia violent extremists. MVE symbols are often found on propaganda, online platforms, memes, merchandise, group logos, flags, tattoos, uniforms, etc. Widespread use of symbols and quotes from American history, especially the Revolutionary War, exists within MVE networks. Let's just stop there for a second. Shall I reread this sentence? This actually came out of the mouth of the FBI. Widespread use of symbols and quotes from American history. Yeah. Think about all the times that you've tweeted quotes from Ronald Reagan or lines from the Declaration of Independence or proverbs of Ben Franklin or anything else. Anytime you've talked about the history of the founding of our nation or the Civil War or the, or the Constitution of the United States, literally the FBI is now labeling those of us who do that on a regular basis, because I do that too, of course, obviously, um, as a potential flag for being a militia violent extremist. This is the sentence. Widespread use of symbols and quotes from American history, especially the Revolutionary War, exists within MVE networks. Historic and contemporary military themes are common for MVE symbols. They do they do add a disclaimer on here, which means absolutely nothing because they included that first sentence. Their disclaimer says the use or sharing of these symbols alone should not independently be considered evidence of MVE presence or affiliation or serve as an indicator of illegal activity. As many individuals use these symbols for their 
original historic meaning or other nonviolent purposes. Oh, thank you, FBI, for that caveat. Thank you for noticing that the vast, 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 vast majority of Americans who study American history, who like the symbolism and the graphics that have come, that have been handed down from our founding fathers for 250 years to us, Thank you for noticing that the vast majority of us, that doesn't associate us with violent militia groups. This caveat is the most ridiculous thing because if they actually meant what they said in this caveat, then they wouldn't have this document at all. What they actually mean is that sentence, historic, where they say widespread use of symbols and quotes from American history, especially the Revolutionary War, exists within MVE networks. They absolutely identify quotes from history and symbolism as being a violent extremist. They want to target, they want to label us conservatives because conservatives, of course, like American history. Liberals don't like America, so they don't like American history unless they can twist it to fit their political agenda, which is to tear down the structure of government and our social fabric. Um, and so, of course, conservatives are the ones that they're talking about. So then they, they show some symbols that they say are associated with MVE, militia violent extremists, and they show the Second Amendment, a gun that says 2A, 2A, now, anybody who's on Twitter, um, if you search 2A, it's a hashtag, 2A, and it's how all of the tweets about the Second Amendment are aggregated on Twitter so that if you're interested in that topic, you can search for 2A, and that's where you'll find tweets about the Second Amendment. So this is what the FBI writes. They say, 2A, MVEs justify their existence with the Second Amendment due to the mention of a, quote, well-regulated militia as well as the right to bear arms. Again, how many law-abiding gun owners in the United States are there? Compare that to how many people are not law-abiding with their firearms. The number of law-abiding firearm owners outweighs the people that violate the law with firearms by such an enormous proportion that you can't make this comparison unless you have a political agenda. You simply can't make this comparison. So the FBI goes on to say, and we'll talk about in a minute why you can't make that comparison, but I want to talk about this, these flags first. So a little bit further down on the page, it says the FBI writes, commonly referenced historical imagery or quotes. The first thing up here is the Gadsden flag. This is the don't tread on me flag, the yellow flag with the snake that says don't tread on me. The first, uh, actually, let me tell you my reaction. When I first saw this, I turned, I saw this um, a little bit earlier and I turned to my husband and I said, don't we actually have this flag flying outside of our house right now? It turns out that I'm simply a bad Navy wife and I did not differentiate between the uh, Gadsden flag and the Navy Jack, the original Navy Jack, which is the red and white striped flag with the, uh, with the rattlesnake on it that says don't tread on me. They're very, very similar. So in my defense, they're extremely similar, but they are two separate things. However, the Gadsden flag, this is what the FBI writes, historical American symbol representing gun rights and limited government. That to the FBI is a symbol of militia violent extremism, a symbol representing gun rights and limited government. How many of you right now own some kind of paraphernalia that encompasses this flag? If I had to take a guess right now, I would say that a hefty percentage of conservatives in general own some kind of don't tread on me paraphernalia, whether it's the flag, whether it's on a license plate, whether it's a t-shirt, whether it's a mug, whatever it might be. A lot, a lot of people own this. And the only reason that you would associate this with extremists with domestic terrorists is if you were trying to define all conservatives as domestic terrorists. So the other flag on here that 
I want to note is the Betsy Ross flag. The Betsy Ross flag is the American flag, but without the uh, symbols of all 50 states, because obviously at the time of the Revolutionary War, when this was created, there were 13 colonies, not 50 states. So this is what the FBI writes. Betsy Ross flag, Revolutionary War imagery, hearkening back to the 13 colonies and calls for revolution. Okay, so there's some, there's some very interesting history. I fell down the rabbit hole with the Gadsden flag and the Betsy Ross flag that, and I want to talk about this a little bit before we actually even get to the second page of this FBI document. But first I want to talk about incogni because two things that are really important to me when I am researching the way that I was for this episode online are safety and privacy, especially given the fact that the FBI now thinks looking up uh, terms that are related to America's history and symbolism could possibly mean that you are a domestic terrorist. Well, the good news is you have the right to request data brokers to delete what information they have about you and protect your privacy. The bad news is, is it would take you years to do it manually. The best news is Incogni can do the messy work for you automatically. Incogni helps you protect your privacy and take your personal data off the market because they reach out to data brokers on your behalf, requesting your personal data removal and then dealing with the company's objections. Now, this could be your name, your email, your home address, your phone number, the names of your relatives even, your social security number, your employment history, your shopping habits, you need Incogni. I love it, and I know you will too. The first 100 people to use my URL, it's incogni.com slash Liz, and use my promo code Liz, get 20% off Incogni. Protect your privacy today. Go to incogni.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz to take your personal data off the market. Today's video is sponsored by Incogni. Okay. So the Gadsden flag and the Betsy Ross flag. Let's start with the Betsy Ross flag. So I saw this and I actually laughed that this is a symbol of violent extremism because the, there's there's been two times in recent history that the Betsy Ross flag has made the news in a significant way. And the first time was during the second inauguration of guess who? Guess, guess which president? Barack Obama flew the Betsy Ross flag at his second inauguration. Yes, this very same flag, the 13 white stars in a circle representing the 13 original American colonies. <laughs> and Barack Obama flew this. Now, was this racist? Of course it wasn't. Was this unfeeling? Of course it wasn't. Was this a symbol of violent militia extremism or domestic terrorism? Obviously not. But this just shows you exactly what the agenda of the FBI and the leftists who have completely corrupted the FBI, they don't care about the context of this flag um, or the fact that Barack Obama embraced this flag not too many years ago. That would have been in 2012 or I guess early 2013 at his second inauguration. Less than 10 years later, suddenly if you fly this flag, you might be a domestic terrorist. So you better watch your back according, according to the FBI. That's the first, that's the first time or the first example in recent history of this flag making the news. The second time happened just a couple years ago when Colin Kaepernick. Good old Colin Kaepernick. Hadn't heard that name in a while, had ya? Well, if you're like me, you were hoping to not hear it in the news ever again. Well, sorry to bring him back. But Nike was uh, debuting a new sneaker that was adorned with the Betsy Ross flag because this was a very uncontroversial thing to do <laughs> until the FBI decided that it was controversial. And this was a throwback to American history. Who doesn't love that? But Colin Kaepernick, who was hired and paid by Nike, reached out to them at the time and said that he was offended by this, that the Betsy Ross flag was an offensive symbol. It wasn't just he was offended by it. He said this Betsy Ross flag was an offensive symbol. Why? You ready for this? Because of its connection to an era of slavery. 
So he wasn't saying Betsy Ross was racist. He wasn't saying the flag was racist. He wasn't saying it represented anything racist. He was just saying that it's offensive because it was connected to the late 1700s and the early part of the American Republic. And Nike, of course, being the cowardly wokesters that they are, of course, caved. They asked the people who'd already purchased this, these shoes to send them back, and they discontinued this and apologized and, you know, embarrassed themselves horribly. Uh, but this this struck me as particularly absurd. I mean, even for the left, even for wokesters, even for Colin Kaepernick, who, you know, whose absurdity knows no bounds, I thought this was so, so far beyond what I would have even expected for him because is everything that happened in our country in 1775, 1776, is everything offensive? Is everything something that we have to reject because there was also slavery at the time? If you're a leftist, the answer to that is yes. And that tells us exactly what the agenda of the left is for our country. Because if we have to reject everything that came from that era because slavery also existed, then we have to reject the United States of America. We have to reject the Declaration of Independence. We have to reject the Constitution of the United States. We have to reject the legitimacy of the U.S. itself, which is, of course, exactly what the left wants. So I thought this was um, this was a funny example of the Betsy Ross flag all of a sudden goes from being at Barack Obama's inauguration, his second inauguration, like I said, even closer to us than his first inauguration. And it was totally fine there. And now if you fly the Betsy Ross flag, then you might be a militia violent extremist. The FBI thinks you're a domestic terrorist. And um, a lot of conservatives actually had embraced the Betsy Ross flag after the Colin Kaepernick Nike issue in, in rejection of Colin Kaepernick's delegitimizing the United States or his rejection of our country and our and our founding. A lot of a lot of Americans were like we don't want the Betsy Ross flag to be co-opted by some ridiculous privileged woke wokester who's a professional athlete and pretends that he's oppressed. We're going to actually honor this this symbolism because it's part of the founding of our nation and for that reason the Betsy Ross flag is associated with conservatives more than liberals, which is why the FBI is targeting it. So then we move to the Gadsden flag. The Gadsden flag was also created at the founding of our nation in 1775. It was used actually by the Continental Marines. So badass. Yeah, they fought for our freedom, um, our freedom from the tyrant King George. And the interesting part of the history here, and this is where I really nerded out. I hope that you will indulge my nerdiness in this sense. The reason that the rattlesnake is on this flag, the reason that the rattlesnake is... I guess, a symbol of the United States, even though it's a disgusting, gross snake animal. It's not exactly it's not exactly an animal that we would typically embrace or typically say, yeah, let that be the symbol for us. Well, the reason that it is a symbol of the United States is because like the bald eagle, it's only found in America. So it set us apart from the British Empire. It was a symbol that only we could claim and not the British. And the person who brought the symbol of the rattlesnake representing America into prominence was none other than Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, Benjamin Franklin. I actually did not know this until I researched this flag earlier. In fact, I want to read you something that Benjamin Franklin wrote. This was in December of 1775. And he wrote this anonymously, but you know, we can always identify when it's Benjamin Franklin. And he actually was arguing in favor of the rattlesnake being one of the one of the official symbols of, of the United States of America. He said that um, this was a good symbol of American spirit. He said, and this is a quote, there was painted a rattlesnake with this modest motto under it, don't tread on me. 
She has no eyelids. She may therefore be esteemed an emblem of vigilance. She never begins an attack, nor, once engaged, ever surrenders. The rattlesnake is solitary and associates with her kind only when it is necessary for their preservation. Tis curious and amazing to observe how distinct and independent of each other the rattles of this animal are, and yet how firmly they are united together, so as never to be separated but by breaking them to pieces. The power of fascination attributed to her by a generous construction may be understood to mean that those who consider the liberty and blessings which America affords and once come over to her never afterwards leaves her, but spend their lives with her. I got to tell you, I personally am not a huge fan of snakes, and I never thought that I would read writing about (laughs) reptiles that would give me the chills. But I got the chills when I read this because I thought Benjamin Franklin is so brilliant, probably a really weird guy in his personal life, at least according to history, but so brilliant to be able to tie the symbolism in together to, to talk about vigilance and assertiveness and individualism and liberty and federalism. I mean, the, the, the rattles on the tail or the states in the country, you know, the fact that we are not an imperialist nation, that we don't attack unless we are attacked first, and then we respond with overwhelming force. I mean, this is really good stuff. This is really good stuff. And for this reason, the rattlesnake symbol was actually adopted by the Continental Congress in 1778. In fact, um, this flag is still flown officially in some towns in South Carolina where the designer of this flag, his name is Christopher Gadsden. That's where he's from, and this flag is still flown there. But here's the thing. The FBI identifies the Gadsden flag as a possible symbol that you, my friends, are a domestic terrorist. But there are states across the country where you can actually get a license tag on your car, courtesy of the state, that encompasses the Gadsden flag. So we're talking in Alabama, you can get a license tag with a Gadsden flag in Arizona, in Kansas, in Maryland, in Missouri, in Montana, in Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia. You can do this. So, so riddle me this. How can different states allow a symbol of violent extremism, a symbol that you are a domestic terrorist, to be, to be part of an official a state program, right? Getting your license tag when the FBI also says that if you do this, you are a terrorist? There is no logical consistency with these folks. So I also looked at the history of who's used this flag, what kind of groups or political parties or individuals have been the most prominent ones who have displayed this flag as part of their causes, because I thought, well, maybe there's some kind of organization that's a terrible organization, maybe a violent organization that's used this, and they've been the most prominent ones to use it. Well, no, it turns out that the Gadsden flag's most prominent uses aside from the founding of our country when it was a positive symbol um, in, well, it was positively understood symbol by a majority of Americans. The liber- it's, it's a libertarian symbol and it has been for a long time, for decades. And then the Tea Party brought it back into prominence. The Tea Party um, of 2010 brought it back into prominence for obvious reasons because they didn't want the government to tax us the way that we were being taxed. And I looked up the, the times that this flag has been used for symbolism during bad events or during terror attacks. And there's literally two times that this flag has been used as symbolism during violent events. And that is the 2014 Las Vegas shooting where cops were shot, the attackers were carrying this flag. And then really, the second example is not really 
a violent event. There was violence that happened at the event, but one woman on January 6th was carrying this flag. And that, my friends, is the reason why the FBI has identified this, because they want January 6th to be associated with really, truly violent, awful, evil events like the assault and assassination of police officers. So we have to, and by the way, by the way, it's not just, this, this symbol has not just been used by the right. There, there's, it's actually been used by the left as well. In the, in the wake of the Orlando nightclub shooting, you remember, um, you remember when that happened. It was horrible, massacre. Well, actually, gay rights activists um, adjusted this flag. They, they, they did a different version of it that had the rainbow flag with the rattlesnake and don't tread on me um, to show that they were not going to, they were not going to sit still and be attacked, that they were going to fight back. So this isn't even just a conservative symbol here. But one of the things that I kept thinking when I was look when I was looking at this document earlier, when I was looking at how they're associating the Betsy Ross flag and the Gadsden flag with violence, when neither of them predominantly are used by violent groups or to justify violence or to symbolize violence, as I thought, this is the same, this is the same logical inconsistency or the same logical fallacy as claiming that the Bible, reading the Bible, or being a professing Christian means that you are more likely to abuse someone in the name of your religion. And what I mean by that is, if 999,999 people out of 1 million um, people are using the Gadsden flag, the Don't Tread on Me flag, for patriotism, patriotic reasons, because they don't want government to infringe on their right. And one out of one million person uses that flag um, during a, a violent or inappropriate action or behavior. Then the predominant way that the flag is used is not for any nefarious purposes. And it shouldn't be associated with that one person that has, that has co-opted it. You should look at the majority use of any symbol or any quote from history, any flag, and see how has this been predominantly used before you try to create an association between that symbol and something negative. And I said, like I said, the Bible analogy that I'm using is because there have been people throughout our history who have abused other people or oppressed other people, even killed other people in the name of religion, using the Bible as their excuse to do so. And that's obviously wrong. It's obviously unbiblical. It's obviously evil. But the vast, vast majority of professing Christians who read the Bible to worship God and to learn God's word, to steep, them, steep themselves in God's word, do not use that Bible for violence. And so if you were to say, or if the FBI was to say, reading the Bible is a sign to us that you might, that you might engage in religious persecution, we would all say, don't be absurd. Don't be ridiculous. Of course it doesn't, because the vast majority of people that read the Bible don't act like that. You, you base your correlation on what the majority of people who are engaging in that action or using that symbol do with that symbol. You don't base a correlation on this, on this very, very minority fringe, one, one person, two person, one in a million type of situations. You only do that. You don't do that if you're an honest person, I should say. You don't do that if you're a politically neutral person. You do that if you are a dishonest political hack who's trying to weaponize the federal government in order to come after your, your political opponents. Um, okay, so let's turn to the second page. This is only the first page that we're through of this document. Let's turn to the second page. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Beam Organics. I like Beam Organics 
because it does the trick when it comes to sleepless nights. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is so important to your body's overall health. Well, let me tell you, a better tomorrow starts tonight. Let me introduce you to Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything, from sleep to recovery. And today, you get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural sleep-promoting premium ingredients, triple lab-tested, no THC, and you wake up refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. You just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, you stir, and you enjoy 30 minutes before bedtime. If you don't love it, you can get your money back, guaranteed. For a limited time, get $20 off when you go to my URL. It's beamorganics.com slash Liz and use my promo code Liz at checkout. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use code Liz for $20 off at checkout. Okay, so that was only the first page. Now we have to go through the second page. Second page starts with common phrases and references. And these are some of the phrases. When tyranny becomes law, rebellion becomes duty. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a sentence that existed in American history. This is another one. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. That's actually a really important, really philosophical sentence that we should consider as the American people. We should learn from our history. Yet the FBI says, if we talk about this, if we say this, then we aren't honoring our history and learning from our past. We are domestic terrorists. They say the phrase, this one killed me. They said the phrase, well-regulated American militia. Okay, so if we quote the Constitution of the United States, if we literally quote the Second Amendment of the Constitution, that makes us more likely to be a domestic terrorist. Yikes, yikes. This is so crazy, so crazy. At the bottom of the second page, they um, have a portion that says timeline of key events in MVE history 2014 to present. And they literally include the, they literally include really violent, terror attacks, true terror attacks. And then at the very end, they include January 6th. Why do they do this? They know it's not the same. They know that assassinating someone or bombing someone is not the same as what happened on January 6th. Sure, there were people that broke in the Capitol that shouldn't have done that. There was pushing and shoving of cops that shouldn't have happened. There was no one killed by the protests. No one killed by the protesters. No one. And yet the FBI wants to conflate those two things. Why do they want to do that? They want to conflate a conservative, limited government philosophy with violence. The purpose of this document is to redefine violence. The left is trying to, has been trying to redefine violence for a long time, telling us that our speech and our beliefs are violence, whereas their violence is just free speech. The purpose of this is to make sure that everyone in the highest echelons of law enforcement in our nation thinks that conservatives, if they embrace American history, and patriotism, limited government philosophy are more likely to be domestic terrorists. It's a very dishonest tactic. It's a very disgusting tactic. It it also demonizes the founding of our country, which delegitimizes our nation, which again, we talked about that earlier. That's the point here. But here's the thing. In a practical sense, calling you and I domestic terrorists when the FBI or the left calls us domestic terrorists, it's actually the easiest way to shut us up. And we're having this battle in our nation right now, mostly on big tech, but also from large corporations and in politics over free speech. 
Should people be allowed to say what they want? Or should there be some sort of gatekeeper, some arbiter of truth that regulates what you're allowed to say and punishes you, silences you, censors you, cancels you if you violate some sort of standard of a quote-unquote appropriate speech. This is, like I said, big tech is the best example of this. That's That battle is raging in big tech right now. But calling someone a domestic terrorist is actually easier than setting some kind of appropriate speech standard because no one really cares what the government does to terrorists. We all hate terrorists. Real, true terrorists, we don't feel a lot of compassion for. We want them locked up in Guantanamo Bay. No one really cares about the the rights, if you will, of terrorists because they're freaking terrorists. And so when the FBI tries to label us terrorists, it does the same thing. They're trying to make it so the vast majority of people associate conservative values with terrorism and therefore don't really care that much what the government does to conservatives based on their political beliefs. It will have an incredible chilling effect on people because people will fear FBI retaliation. They'll fear punishment. They'll fear cancellation. They'll fear being labeled as terrorists. And by the way, this is just the beginning. This document is not the end of what the left is trying to do. This is just the beginning. This is this is the stuff that they will point to, these symbols and these words and these historical quotes, these flags, when they're trying to enforce red flag laws, when they're trying to deprive us of due process of law, when they're trying to put us on the no-fly list, when they're trying to deprive us of constitutional rights. These are the things that they will cite. What the FBI said, that these symbols are symbols of domestic violence, of domestic terrorism, of militia violence extremists. This is just step one. They're laying the groundwork to argue against our political beliefs, to argue that our political beliefs, and therefore we who embrace them, are in fact terrorism. It also gives cover to big tech to do the censorship that that I just mentioned, to censor conservatives, to silence us and cancel us and delete us from at least the public square, if not, if not, polite society everywhere, because big tech can say, well, the FBI says that this phrase breeds breeds violence. The FBI says that this meme with this flag on it is something that a militia violent extremist use. And that's a very easy excuse for big tech to say, well, we're not the arbiter of truth. We're just telling you what the experts said at the FBI, the law enforcement experts, the people who keep you and your family safe. It gives big tech cover. And think about who's enforcing this. Think about the FBI. Think about what they've done to conservatives in recent history. Think about, these are the same people who showed up outside Roger Stone's house at 6 a.m. with a SWAT team and raided his home as if he was, well, as if he was a violent extremist, a domestic terrorist. These are the people, these are the same people that accosted Peter Navarro in the airport and took him out in leg irons and handcuffs when they could have just called him as his standard practice and asked him to surrender himself if they were going to arrest him. This is the same people. These are the same people that tried to unseat Trump, a duly elected president, by spreading lies that were paid for by his political opposition who collected them from Russian operatives. This is the same people who are going to be enforcing this kind of document, which leaves us with one recourse. We have to figure out how to abolish the FBI. We have to elect a president of the United States, a conservative who's committed to abolishing the administrative state, including agencies that are so corrupted with wokeism, so corrupted with radical leftist ideology, so intensely 
opposed to what our country is. Limited government, enumerated rights in the Constitution, natural rights protected, that they're willing to violate our unalienable human rights, God-ordained human rights, in order to push their political agenda. We can't cast a vote for anyone who isn't committed to doing that. Kudos to Project Veritas for uncovering this because the more evidence we have of this, the more likely it is that the people in our country understand what we're facing and we have to understand what we're fighting against in order to fight well. Now, if you uh, want to bring me to your college campus to talk to you and your conservative friends and your liberal classmates and the radical leftists that are constantly assaulting you in the classroom. And I'm not talking about physically assaulting you. I'm talking about assaulting your ideas and your values and your religion. Um, you should do so. This fall semester, my slots are filling up fast. So go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. I had a great time with all of you at YAFCON just last week. It was so fun knowing so many of you because I'd seen so many of you on college campuses last year. Let's do it again. Bring me to your campus, lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. You don't have to have a YAF chapter on your campus. Um, you can bring me even if you do not. Go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. Okay, so I quickly want to touch on what happened in Kansas. So there were a lot of primary elections this past week. And in Kansas, this wasn't a primary, but there was an abortion referendum on the ballot in Kansas, a pro-life amendment, and it failed. The pro-aborts actually won. And this it's disappointing. It's devastating, actually, because babies' lives are in the balance here. And the media and the radical left and Democrats are trying to portray this as, oh, this shows that the American people, even in red states like Kansas, actually support abortion. They don't want, they, they are opposed to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, and they want access to, well, killing their unborn child in their womb. And that's the wrong take. That's not the takeaway from what happened in Kansas. And there is an article that was posted or that was published by The Federalist. It's written by a guy named Michael New, who is from Catholic University. And I want to read just a little bit of what he wrote, because I think he's absolutely correct in his takeaway on this topic. He, the premise of his topic is that this is a loss, of course, but it's not the loss that the left is saying. And he gives specific reasons why. He says, first, a substantial body of academic research shows that campaign spending plays an outsized role in direct democracy campaigns. Since abortion is a multi-billion dollar industry subsidized with millions of state and federal taxpayer dollars, supporters of legal abortion can almost always outspend pro-lifers. Indeed, that was the case in this election. Media reports indicate that Kansans for Constitutional Freedom, which opposed the amendment, outspent the value them both, that was a pro-life campaign, by over $1 million. Okay, so when you have a ballot referendum, which is direct democracy. It's not something that happens through the legislature. Money is a huge indicator in the outcome of that referendum. So money, basically these, these ads convince people. So whoever spends more typically wins. He also says, second, history shows pro-life ballot propositions can win, but only when two conditions hold. The first condition is that the campaign must take place in a conservative state. The second is that the pro-life policy change must be popular, incremental, and difficult to caricature. Indeed, pro-lifers have used direct democracy to stop taxpayer funding of abortion via state Medicaid programs in Colorado, Arkansas, and West Virginia. Additionally, pro-life parental involvement laws prevailed at the ballot box in Florida, Alaska, and Montana. On Tuesday in Kansas, the first condition held, but the second did not. 
the long-term implications of the value them both amendment were somewhat unclear, and that made it easier for our opponents to distort the measure. Remember, he writes, back in 2011, a personhood amendment was defeated in Mississippi, one of the most pro-life states in the country. A large reason for the defeat is that the implications of the amendment were unclear. Some voters thought it would affect in vitro fertilization or access to contraception. Third, the Kansas vote took place after the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision. Since the reversal of Roe, corporate media coverage of sanctity of life issues have become even more partisan and more biased. The media have amplified rare scenarios where pregnant women did not receive proper medical care, due in most cases to misunderstandings by medical professionals, not because of protective pro-life laws. Corporate media coverage of the outstanding work of pregnancy help centers post-Dobbs has been virtually non-existent. I read this and I thought, well, this is extremely encouraging and exactly what pro-lifers need to do because the fight over abortion in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned is not over. The fight is just beginning. We now go back to all of the states and the fight over abortions at the state level is not going to be predominantly in blue states. It's going to be in red states. In blue states, we can pretty much assume that they're going to have very permissive abortion laws. But in red states that would otherwise be pro-life, these blue states and the the abortion uh, businesses are going to send so much money into these states to try to make abortion legal even in red states. That's exactly what happened here. So what we as conservatives should do in the wake of this loss is we should understand why we lost. We should understand the nuances of how to create a successful campaign for pro-life laws in red states, and then we should go for it. So yes, we lost a battle, but we have not lost the war and we certainly haven't lost public opinion. So um, don't let the mainstream media fool you. Okay, that is it for me today. Don't forget tomorrow on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, we are having a Q&A, a Q&A where VIP has asked me questions and I answer your questions about the topics that matter most to you and some just funny ones. So join us over there, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show.